I'm going to deal with the subject tonight. We uh, just a tad bit of history. Went to a small Bible college in Manitoba. Pastor the original church there, the senior pastor that founded the church. We got along real well. I taught in the Bible school there, did radio programs. Then we traveled uh, across Canada, United States, and ended up in uh, Tri-Cities, Richland, Washington, Kennewick, and worked with the Jesus people, the era of the hippies. And we were two straight-laced Christians dropped among the hippie world. Didn't even know their language. You know, they said, well, I, just, I had hassles yesterday. And I said, was that some vegetable in Washington? Or, no, no, ha, 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 it's a problem. We had problems, we had challenges. So they had a language of their own. We saw, we saw 4,000 people go through our center. We started 10 different churches in the Northwest. And uh, it was dynamic. And then God called us to Kamloops. And I said, my wife said, I'm not going to Kamloops. I was raised there. I don't want to go back there. And I said, well, praise God. Then I don't have to go. The wife's not going. I'm not going. But this group by Phil Nardine that started a home group uh, invited us to come. And I thought, well, they're all our friends. So we'll just come and be nice to them. So we came late into the little service they had, about 15 people in the basement of a house and uh, sitting on kitchen chairs, a broken down piano, just the middle keys worked a little bit. We walked in and they started worshiping and my wife and I had a supernatural experience of a divine cloak of God, the best way I can explain it, just came upon us, and guess what I said? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm being honest. Oh, no, I've been had. We're moving to Kamloops. So in 1975, we moved from the Tri-Cities. We had 43 acres of land in the Tri-Cities along the river, prime property, built a brand new church, didn't even step into my office, and we moved to Kamloops, with no wage promise, nothing, two kids, and we just knew we heard from God. So we've been there ever since, just developed a family. We have two churches now, one on the South Shore, the main church, and then an outreach church on the North Shore. And uh, God's taken us all over the world, even prior to this, these years, and we've seen what God is doing everywhere in the world However, in the area of uh, <clears throat> praise, which I want to talk about, and sometimes we think we've heard everything about praise, I preached for two years straight on praise and worship when we started our church. Part of the reason was that my first three, year, uh, first three days in Bible college, things financially weren't right and whatever, so I went to prayer, and make a long story short, one day I might share it. I had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's where I realized there is no end or ability to praise God enough. There's no, 
There's no, how can I put it, it's just anything you can imagine. If, if you have people who exaggerate, they have the gift of exaggeration because they're supposed to be praising God. You could exaggerate on God all you want, and you'll never go beyond who he is. And so from that experience, the message of praise became extremely ingrained. This wasn't just one flash experience with the Lord. It was a two and a half hour experience, and God did something so deep, so ingrained, that I could preach about a lot of things and I always come back to praising the Lord. So tonight's message is a message I never preached. I never emphasized this before. All the years that I pastored, almost 43 years, in Kamloops and many other places, I uh, preached on praise and worship, how to praise and worship, how important it is, and how to adore God and everything. But tonight, I'm going to uh, pioneer through some material. So if you be patient and kind with me, if it doesn't work, never invite me back again. But if it works, don't invite me because it's going to work for you. And maybe I don't even have to come. But let me talk about an aspect of praise that I have not heard a lot. We understand, I'm going to deal with two things. The worshiper that God formed. God formed and created you as a worshiper. That's bottom line. He did everything he did in redemption and salvation so that you would become a worshiper. But becoming a worshiper goes beyond adoring God and telling God how big he is. Because if I tell God how big he is, he doesn't get any bigger, right? And God's extremely secure. He doesn't necessarily need my accolades to continue to be a secure God. How many can agree with that? So praise and worship is definitely a love relationship with Jesus Christ. An adoration of his majesty. And we really can't effectively worship until we see him by the Holy Spirit. You know, we could, we could do praise and worship, and I'm, I'm the kind, I have to have gasoline, I have to have juice. I can't just do it, right? But when, if, if you have a struggle with praise and worship, don't try and praise and worship. Get back and have an, an encounter. A, I don't know how to dis- describe it. Have a relationship. When I had that encounter, or the Lord had an encounter with me, I didn't have an encounter with the Lord. It wasn't my thing. It was His thing. He came in and gave me an encounter. Isn't that exciting? So you might try and have an encounter. God, I want an encounter. I want an encounter. He's He's a majestic, sovereign God. And I constantly, every day, every time, say, wonder when he's going to show up in a way I never expected him. Come on, church. 
I wonder how, what experience he's going to give me today that I didn't even look for or pray for or even expect. Hello. And that's what God did. I worshipped. I praised God. I used the few different languages that I know. I used every praise and worship word and adoration to God that I, that I knew. And finally, I came to the place that as I worshiped God, and listen to this, as I worshiped God, the intensity of His glory, beautiful glory, not judgmental glory, but, but the acceptance, the, the, the beauty of God, the grace. Um, you know, we're so hard on ourselves. I don't care what people say. And sometimes pastors make it, Make us hard on ourselves. You didn't pray enough. You didn't cry out to God enough. Never was enough. And Jesus comes into that which wasn't enough. And he makes it enough. It's, it's, it's his sovereign act. It's, it's his thing. The church and you is his thing. It's not your thing. It's his thing. This is the... Working of the Lord, and it's marvelous in our sight. So as God came in, as I was praying about major direction in my life, what to do, I praised Him until I had no more words. Literally. Not that I did not only have words, but my words were so, not earthly, they were so earthy. You know what I mean? Earthy. So so unmatching to that glory that I thought if I use these earthy words, I'd almost now, you know, I don't know how you're going to handle this, I would almost insult that rich, pure, clean love and presence of God. And I said nothing because the intensity just grew and grew. The presence just grew and grew. I didn't know where it was going to go. That happened for two hours. Now there's tons of other things that happened in those two hours, the conversation and the presence of God. But where I'm going with this is God catapulted me into the ministry by His presence and His praise. And you can do a lot of things But praise is the biggest subject in the Bible. How many know that? 250 times minimal, God encourages us to praise. Sometimes we use a few isolated scriptures, three or four scriptures in the Bible, and we write on that, and we work on that, and and there's 250 scriptures. Praise the Lord, exalt the Lord, magnify the Lord. So there's got to be... If God is so secure, and He is, and God is so complete in Himself, not like us, you know, we need a thank you, we need, you know, I love you, and it helps us and builds us up, right? But He, he doesn't need any buildup. Then my question was, God, why is praise so significant? So, first of all, I want to deal with the fact that praise is so spiritually dynamic 
that it took God and God Himself to qualify the worshiper. That is a massive statement. You can unpack it, let the Holy Spirit unpack it. You have to be qualified by God and His work on the cross and salvation to become a worshiper. Not anybody could just enter in and praise Him. Praise is too holy. We'll talk about it because I'm trying to go ahead, but I better... Stay cool. The Father, you know, John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Jesus said, the Father seeketh worshipers. You know, we've gone through the whole era of praise and worship, and people are saying, hey, what's good praise? What's bad praise? You know, this church has good praise. That church has good praise. How can we have good praise and whatnot, whatnot? And I think we forgot about the worshiper. Because if you are a Holy Ghost, God-qualified worshiper, you will worship. Am I right? A dog barks. A cat meows. A worshiper worships. So, I taught in our church, we come in to church as worshipers to worship because we have been worshiping God. So we gather together as a congregation to worship. We're not waiting for just the right course. We're not waiting for the right song. We're not waiting whether the drums are too loud or too quiet. We're not waiting for all of that. We drown all that out with worship. A worshiper doesn't depend on their feeling, doesn't depend on what's convenient and what's not convenient. A worshiper knows who he is. Who knows who she is. So I told our church, when you become a worshiper and you have that dynamic experience with who God is and who God made you, they can play jingle bells and I can worship. Because I convert jingle bells into worship. It doesn't matter. I can convert anything into worship. Because I am an anointed, God-made, God-created, God-designed, God-formed worshiper. That's who you are, church. That's who I'm talking to tonight. It's not that you will become a worshiper. If you save, you are a worshiper. You're designed by God already. But the enemy has come and said, well, you know, he didn't pray enough last week. I tell the devil, what's your business? And then, you know, I said to someone, they said, the devil's talking in my ear all the time. And I said, what's he saying? Well, you know, you're not going to make it. You're not good enough. I said, thank him. No, I ain't thanking the devil. Yes, thank him. Because the devil's a liar. So when he said you're not good enough, the opposite is true. Because he can't tell the truth. He cannot tell the truth. So, when, when we move in that dimension, I'm looking at every one of you, your worshipers. Whether you know it or not, whether you worship or not, you're worshipers. So those who are leading songs don't have to push and, you know, are you happy tonight? How many heard that before? 
Are you all happy tonight? Yes, we're all happy tonight. Just a minute. I'm here to worship, whether I'm happy or not, because I am who I am, and that's what God's name is. Moses said, what's your name? What's your name? He said, I'll hang this one on you. My name is I Am. How many are born of God? What's your name? What's your last name? I am. am. Thank you, brother. I am. I am a worshiper. I'm not going to be a worshiper. I am a worshiper. Did you know we put so many things into the future? God's going to move. Well, God's moving right now. Yes, he's going to move, but he's moving right now. He moved yesterday. God is not a stagnant God. He's active. His spirit is vibrant. His spirit's always vibrant. Whether my flesh is vibrant or not makes no difference. It doesn't matter how I feel. I had a bad day, had come in, mopey, whatever. Listen, that's the time the worshiper needs to worship. We'll try and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, you're right. You said that clock is black. I can't see the time at all, praise God. (laughs) God formed us. God designed us as a worshiper. Turn to someone and say, I'm designed to be a worshiper. It doesn't matter if I... Sound like a canary or a crow. I'm designed. You know, I come from Saskatchewan originally, and Saskatchewan winters are so long. Do you know what the first bird is that comes in the spring? A black crow comes from the south. And when we hear the black crow cawing, it's music to our ears. Because winter is over for a couple months anyway. In Saskatchewan. You're designed to worship. You write this down. You get it in your soul. Whether there's challenges or sickness or trouble or whatever. You are who you are. And that cannot change. God has no reverse in his blessings. None. Okay. Page two. Hallelujah. We're designed, and, and I'm going to try and shorten it because I, got, I actually uh, took away about 25 pages, so I still have 25. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not exaggerating. So I'm going to try and shorten it. Psalm 149 says we have the high praises of God. Talk about it another time. We are a peculiar people, holy, chosen, and above all people. That's Deuteronomy 14. Two for those that want to take notes. Peculiar people means one of a kind made especially and exclusively for a king. That's actually the definition of peculiar. So you're one of a kind. You're not a duplicate. You're not a carbon copy. You're one of a kind. You're not like other people. The Bible says we're holy. I said it to our church, when somebody says, so you think you're holier than I am? And if they're not a believer, you say, yes, I am. But what do we say? Oh, no, not really. We all make mistakes. We all fail. Don't go that route. You have a position 
of righteousness in Jesus Christ. You are the righteousness of God. That's your status. Now, whether you're fulfilling your status or not is another story. But that's your status. That's your backing. In fact, the way God looks at you, He doesn't, you know, we talk about journey, journey, journey. Everybody's on a journey. Did you know there's no rewards that I see in the Bible for a journey? There's only a reward for getting to the end. The Bible says that God knows the beginning or the end from the beginning. Did you know that God deals with you as with the finished product? He does not deal with you as the product in process. Well, that's hard for, for flesh to, to understand that. So that's why when God came to Gideon and said, Thou art a mighty man of valor. And he says, Who are you talking to? I'm full of fear. I'm, because you're, you're, you're in the process. And God, God, can't, God doesn't talk to you in the process or you'll stay in the process. God talks to you be, beyond the process. So if there's some things God is saying to you. You go, well, I don't know. That's not me. But that is God. And God's moving you forward. God's opening the ceiling, breaking through. So you can go beyond where you are. So I'm going to move on because there's a number of scriptures. A peculiar treasure, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, on and on. And that means one of a kind that he has made. So praise and worship has been set aside... For only these people, because, let me quickly flip some pages over and move ahead real fast. Uh, Because of the function of praise and worship. Uh, There's 300, at least 350 things of who you are in Jesus Christ. In the Bible. I'll give you very few. You're saints. You're saints. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're either saved or you're not. You're a saint saved by grace. Because if you're not a saint, then the Bible's not even written to you. Because the Bible says to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Galatia, to the saints at Romans, right? So he's writing to the saints. That is a status that you have. I'm trying to build you up tonight. Amen. You come to this house. You come to worship. You come to serve. You know who you are. You're not intimidated by the devil that's undermining who you are so you can't do what you're supposed to do. You will only do what you're supposed to do when you know who you are. Right. You know, uh, RCMP when they know they're an RCMP, they're able to do what they're going to do. And we've experienced some of that on the highway. (laughs) They can stop your car with one little finger because of who they are. God said to Moses, I am, therefore I will. Come on, church. The reason we don't sometimes get anywhere because we don't know who we are. When we know who we are, we will do what we need to have done. This is what I'm going to do. There's a lot of stuff there, but let me move on. Where his dwelling, his habitation, his sons, his daughters were born of the Holy Spirit, born of the Word. We have heard all that. 
We are born of the Holy Word of God. I'll just throw this out so you can look it up. Ephesians uh, 1.4 says in the original, this, I, I don't know the original, but I studied out, those, read those who know some original, that we are words born from the Word. Isn't that incredible? That's why when God created Adam and God breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul, the original is Adam became a talking spirit. Everything, oh boy, there's so much here. I'm drowning. Everything is by the mouth of God. We shall live by the word of the Lord that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God spoke, God spoke, God spoke, prophets spoke. When they, when they silenced the prophets, desolation happened to Jerusalem. So remember who you are. You are equipped with the mouth. To speak, to sing. It doesn't matter whether you sing, shout, or whatever. But you're, you're equipped to declare the glory of God in this area, in this town, in this community, in this province. We're not just singing here, and I'll hopefully get to that. So here's my statement. And by the way, I meant to say this earlier. All over the world, how many have seen the stadiums and auditoriums and fields filled with people of this generation for worship. How many have seen that? Well, you need to see it. There is a second revival of worship coming in these days in the conclusion of all things. One of the things that God is majorly restoring is praise and worship. I dream. What if, you know, when COVID happened and all that happened, COVID, 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 everybody's hiding uh, masks and whatnot to keep us from singing and whatever. What if the whole province, starting with Victoria, said, you all get together and just start praising God. All of British Columbia start praising God. How many know COVID would have to return back overseas? What if Ottawa started praising God? You say, oh, that's too simplistic. Oh, no, it's not. Not when you find out that praise is not just an expression of adoration and love and appreciation and thanksgiving to God. But here is the actual word I want to tell you. Praise is a holy spiritual function of the kingdom of God. It's a function. It's not a feeling. It's not just an expression. It's actually a function. So when you function, uh, how many dads do we have here? Fathers. Okay, so you get up in the morning and say, well, I don't feel like a father. How many know many times you get up, we don't feel like a father? Right. But what do we do? We function as a father. We don't depend on our feeling. We don't depend on our convenience. Because when you understand the function of praise in the land, the function of praise in your life, 
And how praise, and I'm going ahead of myself already because I only got 15 minutes left. But praise restrains the kingdom of darkness. Praise restrains disease and sickness and infirmity. I don't know, I'm going to just mess up my notes now, I guess. But when Jehoshaphat had three armies plus against him, you all know the story in First Chronicles 20.20. God says, praise me. Wow, how, how crazy is that? And when they started praising, the Bible says, when they began to praise, the Lord set an ambush against the armies. How? Because praise is a spiritual function of the kingdom of God that, that invades the kingdom of darkness and makes a mess out of it and restrains it and confuses it. And what happened? The armies were killing one another. The enemies were killing one another. They didn't have to kill anybody, did they? What if we stretched this a bit and said, when we praise God, and you got more than one disease or sickness or infirmity, you know, come from the doctors, they got this and you got this and you got that. How about we start praising God in sickness, fight against sickness? And disease start fighting with disease. And disease kills disease. And sickness kills sickness. Because in praise, I know this is a stretch. This is a stretch. But you can't kill disease and you can't kill the sickness. So God said, if you sing, I will fight for you. Because singing praise is a holy spiritual function of the kingdom of God. Pastor mentioned today about Psalm 22.3. That God dwells in the praises of his people. The word dwells means that where there is praise. And we function spiritually in praise. That God sets up his authority in our midst. That praise hosts the authority of the Lord. I'm going to throw this out. You notice that in the New Testament, Jesus... How many believe Jesus was a worshiper of the Father? I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. Being a worshiper of the Father, Jesus did not operate in the Holy Spirit gifts. He operated in authority. He took authority over disease, over sickness. He took authority over it. I'm not saying we shouldn't operate in the gifts. I have a pastor. You could correct the congregation later. But I think the gifts are more for the world because they don't qualify under the covenant of God so it's a gift to them and we should share the gifts of healing and the gifts of deliverance and power with the world how many know that Jesus Jesus healed unsaved people in the Bible right and we say oh no you know you got to pray more these people didn't even know who Jesus was come on let's let's read the Bible they said who healed you said I don't know some guy came by and healed my eyes or healed my crippled feet. I don't even know him. Here's what I'm saying. We have to understand that God is bigger than our prayers. God's bigger than our faith. God's bigger than our expectation. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our sight. This is not our doing. 
God is not limited to us. If God was limited to my faith in Him, I'd be a mess. God says, all you need is a grain of mustard seed, and I'll move the mountain. Hallelujah. So, He moved in authority. The reason Satan is so angry, because Lucifer knew very well what praise and worship did in the heavens. Heaven is heaven because of praise and worship. And what's around the throne of God day and night? Worship. 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 And that emanates all the way through heaven. Jesus operated in authority. He had authority, and so do we, over devil, sickness, and disease. You know when they needed a word from God, Elijah needed a word from God, or Elisha? I always mix those two boys up. They said, get me a minstrel, get me a musician, and I'll get a word. See, praise has a function which opens up the heavens, opens us up, opens our mind up, and we get a word from God. We get a prophetic word. We get a revelation from God. But sometimes we cry, give me a revelation. Don't do that. Start worshiping God with everything you are and understand that your worship is a function. And he said, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the disciples, before they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, already cast out devils and healed the sick. Am I right? Quite a point. Then why did he baptize them with the Holy Ghost? Because they began to speak in a heavenly language. And when they left the upper room, and they were speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit, read it there. They spoke about the wonderful things of God throughout all Jerusalem. And in a matter of days, 3,000 people get saved. In a matter of a few days more, 5,000 people get saved. Why? They pushed back the hordes of darkness through the ministry and the function of of praise. Come on. I could do Thessalonians. The sound of abundance of rain. You know the story. Why? They all fell down when they saw the fire. And they said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah looked at the blue sky. There wasn't a cloud. There wasn't a thunder. There wasn't a weather forecast for rain. He says, I don't care. But I heard the sound. I heard the sound of worship. And the sound of worship is the sound of abundance of rain. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Yeah, well, I praise God, nothing happened. Well, Elijah did the altar, and they cried out, The Lord, He is God, and nothing happened. He sent the servant to look. And the servant said, There's just nothing. You see, Elijah knew there was something, and this is another story. I love this message. Twelve barrels of water were evaporated that formed a tiny little John the Baptist cloud in the sky. And... Elijah's servant looked at the cloud, the tiny little cloud, and looked at the famine and the drought that's been there for three years, and said, no, I'm not even, it's, un, it's not reportable. And Elijah said, there's got to be something there. And watch this. Soon as the servant acknowledged the cloud, the rain came. I'm really short on all that. I'd love to spend time and just kind of really wallow in it with glory. Okay, I'm done.
Because you have praised the Lord, have you not? Now we're going to pray for you. I'm going to move the pulpit back. Is it okay? We just pray for people. I may pray for your need. I may shout praise into your life. And you shout praise with me. And you go home and you'll find out that you're healed. Shall we stand? I don't know who does the music, but somebody do the music. Be the anointed music like David was. and Let's cast out doubt and defeat. Yeah, sure. If you want to pray, I mean, it's your house. He's asking me if you should pray. Uh, Play, I mean, come on. All right, how many have a need? Got a doctor's report or something? Come on. We're going to pray for you. No fanfare, just prayer.